Welcome. Shana Tova to all. This week, we read Pasha's Vayelech. A rarity, a novelty on its own. That Vayelech should be read on its own. Usually the Tzavim and Vayelech are together. This year, due to the calendar, the Tzavim and Vayelech are being read separately. Hence, this Shabbos, which is also known as Shabbos Shuva or Shabbos Tshuva. The reason for the name of Shuva, obviously, is the name of, based on the name of the Haftorah. The Haftorah being Shuva Yisrael, Adashem Aleikecha. Which of course refers to repentance. Shabbos Shuvah is the Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And those that are called it Shabbos Shuvah, based on the mere fact that we have found between, on the Sesame Shuvah, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and therefore. It is called Shabbos Tshuva. Basically, we'll focus on the terrible way of starting the year, which will be next Wednesday night. We won't have a shear. Well, that, that's really negligence on my behalf. But it will be Matsyam Kippur, and I probably would find it very hard to do so, and I'm sure everybody else would find it hard to attend. So I'm afraid that I'm going to say as of now that next Wednesday night we're going to not have a shear. What a way to start the new year. One week in and only one shear. But therefore it is only proper that tonight we focus basically on Yom Kippur. We know the Pasuk tells us, we read today in the Torah, the reading of the Torah, which is always on a fast day, the sins of the fathers go on the children. Which in essence really tells us I think my thing froze or unfroze, okay. Tells us that the children pay for the sins of their fathers. A little bit of a strange phenomenon 
And obviously, every one of us wants to know how we can alter such a thing. We tell a story of a little girl. Oh, there's something very wrong with the computer today already. It keeps freezing. Oh, here we go. A little girl that came to her mother and said to her, Mom, you know that beautiful vase that we have in the living room that you always put the flowers in every weekend and that you're so proud of and that you said is in the family for many generations and has been passed down from one generation to the next generation to the next generation and the mother says sure, sure that's our favorite vase in the house well, mom I have to tell you that this generation just dropped your vase. (laughs) (coughs) Someone's smoking out there, terrible. So that was pretty much that the next generation pretty much forfeited the pleasure of having the vase. Um, Oh, we found the smoker. Do we know the importance of the generation to generation, the continuing of generations? We all know the importance, we all know the relevance, we all know how the significance of us passing down from one generation to the next. There's a wonderful program, it's called Birthright. Many people traveled for their sole experience to Israel on Birthright. And in their Birthright program, many different people were very differently affected by their visit to Israel, the effect that the Holy Land had on these people, especially on the youth. There's one particular young man whose story was very intriguing. Apparently there's a point in the Masada where major battles went went down, when major battles took place. Am I correct? So major battles took place in the Masada? Mm-hmm. No. Up on top of the mountain? Of course no, they surrounded Masada, so they killed... The, the oh, the story behind they it? They all killed each other. They killed each other. In order so they could take the But they held out there a long time before yeah. that happened. Yeah, they threw big boulders off the mountain. 
Okay, so they held out there quite a long time. And when the guide, the tour guide, took them to the top of the mountain, he told them the story of the sacrifice. He told them the story of what the youth, what the people went through when they were up on this mountain, holding out what they stood for, what they were trying to hold out for, defending one another, the royal family. And he was very, very, very um, articulate. To an extent, please put something underneath that. To the extent that he had them all in tears. He had them all in tears. At that point, he gave everyone on the tour an envelope. In the envelope was a letter. A letter from their parents. The letter was from their parents, each one of them personalized, obviously. And their parents told them how much they loved them, how much they cared for them, how much they valued them. And their parents also told them how important it is for them, as a parent, to see that their child go on and continue in their way go on and live the life go on in their life much going on on the computer. Hold on a second, folks. That's what happened there. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Everybody's back. Everybody's back. Okay, lovely. And the fellow said that we all read these letters and we weeped uncontrollably. But this, beyond the doubt, beyond the shadow of the doubt, made a very, very, very powerful impact on the youth. Now these same youth have heard from their parents numerous times how much they love them, how much they want to, how much they embrace them, how important they are to them, etc., etc. But this particular message coming at this moment, this way, was beyond. And therefore this hit home more than any t- any other time. As we saw, find ourselves between Yom Kippur, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it's a time to reflect, a time to take inventory, take stock, 
what we have accomplished, what we need to accomplish. And nothing in Torah is coincidental. And therefore we turn to the Pasha of Ayelech, which means to go, to move forward. And we see in the Pasha of Ayelech, well, hold on, this is wrong. Okay, very good. We see in the Pasha of Ayelech, okay, now I'm going to disconnect you here, I'm going to call you back from the computer. Okay? Good, that's right. What? That's the problem. I'm, I'm taking you off of here and putting you on the computer. Did you sign off from there? Yeah. Uh, you're right. The computer is really having a blast today with my everything. Oh, it's great. Okay. Okay. Huh? I don't know if the phone has the capacity for the group. I don't think it does. The couch just doesn't move. Okay, anyway. The side you go and writes that actually the Tzavim and Vayelech are one parsha. The fact that they are sometimes split is because that's how Torah works. But in essence, the mere essence of the Pashas are one Pasha. Oh boy. Tell them we're giving a share in Hebrew. Okay, that's why I handed it that way. It's no problem. We'll figure it out later. I hope. But the essence of the words, Nitzavim and Vayelech, don't jive, as we say in America. They don't float together. How is it they don't float together? Very simply. Nitzavim means to stand still, stand upright. And Vayelech means to go. Either you're standing still or you're going. A king positions himself in his throne, finds himself in his throne. And as a king in his throne, this is where his place is, and this is where you're going to find the king. Growth, moving, is a sign of growth and expansion. So when we tell you, Vayelech, 
that you have to grow and you have to expand. It means you have to do so without compromising. There are times, unfortunately, that we feel that we need to compromise our mitzvahs. We need to compromise our way, our service to our God. And we have to blend in, as they say. So the message of Nitzavim and Vayelach together is no. A person grows in his Torah knowledge. A person becomes a big Talmud Chacham. Where's the first place he goes to? It goes to his head. It goes to his head could also mean not only that he becomes smarter, it could also mean that it goes to his head it becomes egotistical. He becomes swell-headed, as they say. The hat doesn't fit anymore. And the fact of the matter is, that's only a euphorism actually. But it's a very, very interesting concept. When we say the person's hat doesn't fit their head. I just give me a napkin or a tissue or something. Please. Tells us, Tater, no. That yes, you have to be Vayelach, you have to expand the horizons, you have to dig deeper in and understand more Tater and learn more Tater. But Nitzavim, you have to stay humbled. It doesn't change your personality. You remain the same person. And the fact is that physically, your body is not affected. It's only the head that gets affected. And by the body being not affected, it teaches us that yes, I now am a Torah Jew, although it can become affected. In that, if a person takes on Torah life, they change their dietary laws. They change their ways of, of behavior, uh, behavior. They change di- many different things that end up being changed. And thus, of course, result of which the body might take a change as well. Where we can actually see physically, and we're going to discuss this, we're discussing now in Yom Kippur, tells us the Torah, Nitzavim, and Vayelech. That Vayelach, you must go on and forge ahead, but Nitzavim, you must stay steadfast. A wealthy businessman, he makes it in the world. He gets, he becomes chief banana, top banana. Sky could turn around and say, I did this. It's my know-how, my brains, my intelligence. That's how this happened. 
tells us that's not how it works Nitzavim and Vayelech you have to be able to understand the money that was given to you is given to you from God and therefore when it comes to giving charity don't think for one minute I earned this money, it's mine and therefore I don't want to have to give it away I don't want to share it. I don't want to give tithe. I don't want to give the 10%. I'll give who I want and I'll only give how much I want. Tells us, The famous, famous story of the man that got a blessing to become wealthy and the wealth got to him. He closed his doors to the poor. He didn't distribute what he used to. He didn't host the way he used to. When the Rebbe that got a wind of it, the one that gave him the blessing, he came to his home. And as he showed him the home, he went over to a very, very expensive mirror. And he scraped off a corner of the mirror. Mrs. Rebbe, what are you doing? Do you have any idea how much damage you're causing? And then he took him to a window. And said, what do you see by the window? And he said, I see all the poor people walking to the marketplace. He said, when it comes to the mirror, what do you see? He says, I see myself. Correct. But look at the spot that I saved off the silver. I shaved off the value that you say the mirror has. It's now a simple piece of glass. And the man immediately understood that all the silver coating and gold coating caused it only to look at a reflection and it stopped him from looking outside to the world. And this is our our challenge. This is how we have to now approach our new year. Although we have to be confident, we prayed on Rosh Hashanah and God is going to give us a good year. And we are confident that on Yom Kippur God will seal the book of life and give us pure only blessings. Yes, we are confident. But we don't let that get to our heads. We say, God, we understand, we have to give back. We have to do the best that we can and then some. And we will do that. Let us take an example. We go to the Holy Temple. In the Holy Temple, Ayyam Kippur, it was a sight to be seen that was unsurpassed, un- unma- unmatched. The high priest moved at a speed that was just makes a tennis a tennis game look slow. The king Godel, the high priest, was running and doing and changing and. There was another thing the Kerengadl had to do though. It wasn't enough 
with sacrifices, the blood spraying, etc. When he changed from the outside courtyard to go into the Holy of Holies, he had to change his garments. He could not enter the Holy of Holies with the gold, which we're going to explain later. As it says, in Katege Nasa we don't make a prosecuting attorney a lawyer. The white garment says in the Talmud, in the tractate Yuma, which is basically about Yom Kippur, for those that want to check, it's on 24 side A. And the Gemara tells us, Big day lovan shayaleve shakayin godal bavedas vavedis apnim the yemakipurim when it refers to the white garments that the kohen godal high priest used to go into the holy of holies the Talmud tells us vihinicham shom they were placed there melamed says the gemara from here we learn out shetoyanim geniza. They needed to be put away in Geniza. They were put away never to be used again. When something is used for a holy item, for a holy article, a book, a holy book, etc. Once it's no longer usable, a talus, a strap from Tvilin, etc., it's put into what's called Geniza Shemus. And this is then buried under the ground, like a regular funeral. But it's not actually each strap or each... They usually take bags and bags and bags. You'll see now holiday times, Pesach especially, when people are cleaning out their houses and they're cleaning out their bookcases, and they have books that tore, etc. They put bags and bags of these... Shemus, no. Which means to tell us that we do not use these garments again. Wherever they were taken off, that's where they are left for Geniza. Why? Why can these garments not be used next year? Let us scrutinize what the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, is actually doing. What is his idea on Yom Kippur? What is his goal? What is he aiming to do on Yom Kippur and accomplish? His accomplishment of Yom Kippur is complete and total repentance. Tshuva! He looks for the forgiveness and he pleads for the forgiveness of the Jewish nation. He goes into the Holy of Holies and he asks in the special prayers which you read in Yom Kippur Machzer. For those who don't have it in English, you can get many different translations. For those who don't read Hebrew, understand Hebrew, you can get English translations or any other language. The very beautiful prayer of the Kohen Gadol, 
saying that no woman should, God forbid, miscarry this year, and that no man, etc., etc., all the different beautiful, beautiful blessings that the Kohen Gadol begs upon high and pleads with the Almighty for the Jewish nation. And because the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, is performing this intense repentance, one of which is that a person should not, God forbid, kill somebody even by accident. Hence, if someone, God forbid, killed somebody by accident, <coughs> the person had to run to the certain cities called Are Miklot, um, shelters, and they had to stay in the Aramiklat until the Kayan Gadol passed away. As many years as it might have taken. And the reason being, one of the reasons being, is because the Kayan Gadol is culpable. He did not pray well enough for this not to happen. Don't worry. I know what's going through your mind is, if a person is in exile until the Kayan Gadol dies, obviously the person is going to pray all day the Kayan Gadol should die. What used to happen was the mother of the Kohen Gadol used to go to the Arimiklat, to these cities of refuge, and she would bring food and delicacies to all these people. She would make them feel more at home than they would at home, so that they wouldn't have this this anger and this prayer that when is the Kohen Gadol going to die already? It wasn't so bad for him there. Oh wait, so maybe we better do this later. That might have been hurting my Skype. Let me. The Kern Godel, therefore, was totally devoted for the repentance of the Jews, thereby ultimately transferring this repentance to each and every Jew. What's so great about Shuvah? What's so great about repentance? Why do we drive home repentance so strongly rather than righteousness? Why don't we just tell everybody, be a tzaddik, be a righteous person. Why are we always driving the people to do tshuva, to repent? When a person does tshuva, he is totally eradicating, he is totally reforming his previous existence. All the sin that blemishes, that were caused by the sins, are totally wiped away, and the person becomes a total new creation. Dr. Rebbe tells us in Tanya, that all the sins that a person did, when they repent for them properly, not only they get wiped away, they become merits for them. Therefore, 
when the person does tshuva, he's a totally different Matthias. He's a totally different creation now. Like the Ramah would say, I'm not the person that did the sin. Thousands and thousands of separations to I'm only using it not as a comparison, but just as a, a humorous story. Aristotle was once seen eating raw meat, straight off an animal. Sitting drunk, eating raw meat. And a person walked over to him and said, Aristotle? The great Aristotle? Sitting like a like a a peasant, like 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 a the lowest creation over here. So he picked up his finger and he said, "I'm not Aristotle now. I'm not Aristotle now. After I finish living this disgusting, despicable way of life, I'll revert back to Aristotle." What you see right now is not Aristotle. The Rambam tells us the person that does tshuva properly says, I am not the person that did those sins. And they're not lying. They're not the person that did those sins. They repented and they are totally, because God exonerated them, because God forgave them for it, therefore they are totally purified from it. Vashenki, when it comes to a tzaddik, when a righteous man lives the life of the righteous, he definitely accomplishes that he grows and he rises higher and higher. But there's no new entity. He doesn't become a total new creation by doing another mitzvah. He gains... Spiritually. He rises higher spiritually. But his actual essence is the same tzaddik. Unlike the Balchuva that becomes a total new essence. Since therefore, the strength of the service of the Chuva that the Kayin Godl had done on Yom Kippur, is so severe that he's now changing an entire existence. <coughs> so when the Kayangal goes into the Holy of Holies, to the Kedish Kedoshim, HaKedoshim, the place that there's nothing holier in the world, it doesn't just cause that he gets to a higher level, it doesn't just bring him to a higher level in spirituality, he becomes a total new essence. A total new Mitzvah. And it's not the same Kayin Godel that went in, that comes out. Therefore, the garments that went in to the Holy of Holies can no longer clothe the new Mitzvah, the new essence. So he has to change his garments as well. 
It has to be a whole new garment. They're not the ones that are connected to the word, to the service that was before going into the Holy of Holies. When he went into the Holy of Holies, he was one Kayin Gadol. When he came out, he was a different one. Because the repentance that he brought about into the world that helped everyone of all the entire Jewish nation to repent has caused an effect on him as well. He's not just a tzaddik, not just a righteous person that has become and has gone from level to level. Rather, he is an actual in level of Balchuva. And therefore is a total new entity. Therefore, the garment can no longer be used because the garment was only good for the person that went into the Holy of Holies not for the person that came out. One of the more intriguing prayers that we say on Yom Kippur is the Al-Khayt. In the Al-Khayt, we enumerate the different sins that we did. And we ask forgiveness for that particular sin. One Khayt, one Al-Khayt, that makes absolutely no sense. Al-Khayt shechatanu lefanecha sahara. On the sin which I sinned against you with the sahara. What kind of... What is that supposed to mean? Every sin that a person does is with the Yetzirah. Why all of a sudden are we choosing the one particular sin? Which sin is he referring to in general? It makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> Especially since we know a person does not sin until stupidity, folly enters into him. So the, what, who enters, who gives you this folly? Who gives you this thought to entertain? The Yetzirah. The evil inclination. So every sin, basically, is a sin that I sin because of the Yetzirah. And it shouldn't be, I'm repenting for the sin that I sin with the Yetzirah. But rather, uh, we need somebody on, on Skype to mute your computer because they're getting interrupted. The mic on your computer because they're interrupting other people on the Skype. So every sin 
we can't say that I'm asking forgiveness for the sin that I did with the Yitzhara. Just the opposite. By saying, I sinned because of the Yitzhara, I am actually using an excuse to say, forgive me, but I didn't mean to sin myself. I wouldn't have sinned. It's the Yitzhara that made me sin. So what is this saying? What, are we, what kind of confession are we making it by saying on the sin that we sinned with the Yitzhara? And perhaps we can explain that Azal tell us again in the Gemara the tractate Kiddushin for those checking it's 30 on side B Lamed Amid Beis and the Gemara tells us, Barasi Yetzahara, Barasi Teira Tavlin. I created a Yetzahara. I created to him a Teira, a spice. Teira is compared to spices. Just like spices are used to add to a taste, to fix a food. Sometimes we cook something that's a catastrophe and you throw in the right spice. My, one of my kids will tell you duck sauce is the doctor <laughs> is the doctor for every, every food. As long as you put a nice dose of duck sauce, the food is fine. Um, and then we have the ketchup police in my house. Which is uh, another group of people that Feel that everything gets better with ketchup. But this is the idea of the spice. And therefore, Tata is compared to this. The concept of Tata is the tavlin in the Yetzahara. It gives the Yetzahara, you know, there's those that the, um, I think one of the Rabbeim, when they used to burn their nails, after cutting them, of course. Yamada tells us that of the three levels of people of uh, we can tell the three levels of people according to the way they deal with their fingernails after they cut them. And uh, the tzaddik buries it. The Rasha discards it and the chassid burns it. And the reason for the three levels, the tzaddik in essence buries it and wants to make sure that nobody gets hurt by it. If a pregnant woman, God forbid, steps on fingernails, it could damage the child. The child, the baby they're carrying. So when the Russia discards it, he doesn't care about the well-being of anybody else. The tzaddik is worried about the other person and therefore buries it, but it could, God forbid, surface again. The Chosid says, when I burn the nail, I know that I'm damaging myself. Because it's, it's something that you're hurting yourself when you burn it. But I'd rather hurt myself than, God forbid, hurt somebody else. So the, the Rebbeim used to sometimes take, in the burning of the nails, it's quite a rancid smell. They would put besamim into it. Cloves. To take care of the smell. So the tavlin that the Yitzhahara has given of Teda is to help the Yitzhahara along. 
Our goal is not to destroy and eradicate the Yitzhahara. Our goal is to fix the Yitzhahara, to elevate him and to purify him. That he sh- and convince him not to disturb somebody from serving God. Not only that, but a complete reverse. That he should want to serve God himself. And we say, the Razal tell us, the Gemara and Brachis, famous Mishnah, on 54 side A, of course. Remember that? Yeah. Of course. When the Pazik says, Hashem Why does it say, with two vezen? It should say, with your heart. Why Levavacha with two letters base? And it teaches us that you should love God with both your Yetzes, Yetzerara and Yetzetev. So, in essence, our job is to see to it that also the Yetzerara also loves God. Therefore, this is what we're saying when we say, we did not elevate our Yetzirah enough. We did not see to it that our Yetzirah is at a good enough, a high enough level that he too loves God. So we have a shortcoming here. Our shortcoming is that we did not look after our Yetzirah. And that's what we're saying. Al chet shechatanu lefanecha, the Yitzhara. As the day of Kippur wears on, starting with Kol Nidre at night, where the shuls are all packed to the rafters, and everybody comes to nullify the vows they didn't take care of yet on Erev Rosh Hashanah. Before we go there, let's just give the little bit of the customs. It's customary to do kaparas. Kaparas is a very spiritual but very fulfilling service in which we can use chickens or you can use a fish if that if you don't can't get a chicken. If, a live fish if you can't get a chicken. What do you do with the fish? Same thing, you swing it over your head. And for those who don't have access to live fish or live chicken, or can't manage it, can't stomach it, they can use money. How can you swing a fish if you're flying like... It's harder. Uh, it's harder. How can you use money is a better question. <laughs> Because when someone calls up and says, Rabbi, I can't deal with the chicken, can't deal with the fish, how much money should I use? So I immediately refer to my holy books. I say, I'll tell you. One minute, I'm checking. I'll come back to the phone and I'll say, how much are you worth? What you're saying, in essence, 
זה חליפוסי, זה תמורוסי, זה כפרוסי. This is my exchange. This is my my whole repentance is going through this. We're now bringing sacrifice, we're not allowed to bring sacrifices outside of the Holy Temple. So it's not a real sacrifice per se, and chickens weren't used for sacrifices either, really. So that's why we use a chicken, not a cow. Besides, swinging a cow over your head would be very painful. Yeah. And besides, if the chicken decides to let loose on top of your head, no. But if the cow, yeah. Okay, never mind, never mind. That's disgusting. Um, and we'll swing the chicken around our head three times and we'll say, this chicken is now going to death and I am going to longevity to long life and to happy years so in essence you're doing an exchange for the chicken and then you bring your chicken to the sheikhet and the sheikhet slaughters it if your stomach can stomach it you watch it happen and then you get the bracha of taking this, the dust, the sawdust, and covering the blood, which is a mitzvah that not many people do. Um, it doesn't, for the fish, it doesn't happen the same way, of course. You'll swing the fish, and then the whoever it is will chop the fish's head off and go on further. I never had to do it with the fish box, and I've always done it with a chicken. I think one of my kids once missed the chicken and had to do the fish. And then the custom is to give the chickens away to poor people to eat. And all this is all the process of the kapara. On Arabian Kippur, there's a very beautiful custom. One should ask a fellow Jew for lekach. Lekach traditionally is honey cake. The reason for the requesting, for the asking, is because in case, God forbid, it's been decreed upon me for this year to beg, this should be my whole begging. After this, I shouldn't have to ask anybody for anything. <coughs> in this house, there's always like a whole day. Long hair people come and get like a whole day. The Rebbe would stand by his room and give each person lekach and tell them as he gave it to them, Shana Tevo Mesuka. It should be a year, a good and sweet year. And that's another reason for lekach is being a sweet cake. As Yom Kippur winds down and the fast is starting to get to you, and you return from shul, you return to shul after the break, the minion begins the mincha service. Okay. Anybody wants a uh, personal viewing of lekach giving on Skype, we can show it to you, if Skype would ever come back to life again. Um, we have lots of crafts here. Show and tell is the word, actually. But everything froze here. This is the Rebbe giving Lekach. 
I was about to get like a... Um, and during Mincha, we come into shul, they say Ashrei. They don't say Ashrei, excuse me. They say Karbanais. Immediately the Torah is taken out. And the Torah reads... The portion which is dedicated for Mincha. And then the last aliyah of the three aliyahs is considered Maftir. And at Ma- after Maftir we read the Haftorah. The Haftorah is the story of Yonah. The story, the book of Yonah is one of the twelve books. The twelve prophets. These twelve prophets, prophecies, span over 300 years. Or 350 years to be exact. From the middle of the first Beit Samikdash to early into the second. Yaina was the son of a widow who Eliyahu had brought back to life. Yona, and he was a complete tzaddik. The Gemara, the tractate Yerushalmi, tells us Sanhedrin eleven that Yena was a novi emes, a true prophet. Yena was told. And if I've got you this, this picture or not, I don't know. We're still trying to show it to you on Skype of getting Lekach by the Rebbe. Yaina was told <coughs> by the Almighty to go to Nineveh and to warn the people if they don't repent, God forbid, they're going to be punished and destroyed. And he refused to go. <coughs> but he wasn't negligent that he refused to go. It wasn't a matter of negligence, but rather Yerina said to himself, so what happens if I go to Ninveh, who is not a Jewish city, and I tell them to repent, and they do? What would that look like for the Jews, if they listen, the, the non-Jew listens, and the Jew doesn't listen? But the sages tell us, that it was wrong. His decision was not right. You don't defend the child, which is the nation, Jewish nation, against the command of the father. The honor of the father. Now he tried to avoid having to go into Ninveh, and he tried to flee. He tried to run by sea to go out of Israel to a land called Tarshish. Many different opinions where that is. The it's past the Rock of Gibraltar, in case you're interested. Out of Israel, it's known that the Almighty does not speak to the prophets out of the Holy Land. And we know the story how the entire ship got tossed at sea, and finally Yonah was thrown to the river, thrown to the waters, and the large fish swallowed Yonah. They refer to it as a whale always. So it's Yonah and the whale, but it's just a large fish, and brought him back. Why do we read this on the closing of Yom Kippur? 
Yom Kippur is a day all the shuls are packed. Everyone goes to the shul Yom Kippur. When the Jets wanted to have opening day on Yom Kippur, there was a tremendous uproar in New York. It's Yom Kippur! And they even had a... <laughs> they even had a Jets locker room, one of the Schwarz players, screaming and yelling what kind of chutzpah this is to go and make a game on the opening night of Yom Kippur. I missed my cousin's bar mitzvah. My Bobby's going to kill me if I'm not Yom Kippur in shul. <laughs> it's a very, very... Interesting campaign that went on until they actually, I think, changed the date, didn't they? They played by day. Well, it was last year, two years ago. They played by day instead of playing that night because they didn't, not to desecrate Jim Kipper. So everyone's a shul Jim Kipper. Unfortunately, some, most people only Jim Kipper. They tell that there's one certain shul that at the end of Jim Kipper, they announce what time and what date Kol Nidre is read next year. <laughs> next year's Kol Nidre is on this and this date and this and this time. Mincha is the last prayer before Ni'ilah. Ni'ilah is the closing prayer. As you prepare for this holy part, we read about Yena to teach us that we do not, we cannot run from Hashem. And that's not a way to be th- do things. That's not a way for us to behave. We, in order to relate to Hashem, have to stay with Hashem, have to ride with Hashem, and have to always have Hashem within us, Hashem next to us, Hashem on top of us. Hashem is here, Hashem is there. Hashem is truly everywhere. And at this point, we wish everybody a Gemara Chasimateva, Shanateva, Masuka, a sweet, a happy year, a year of forgiving. May we be able to forgive, may we, may we find it in our hearts to forgive anyone that did whatever they did to us, and that we should be able to forgive them full heartedly, forge ahead now with our lives, move on, and have God forgive us as well, and say, just as we forgive, He forgives. And forgives us for all our iniquities, for all our follies, for any other mistakes that we may have done. And we be inscribed and sealed in the book of life, in the book of happiness. And may we be inscribed ultimately for the ultimate redemption, for the ultimate simcha of the Gula Amitiz Vashlema Ayyadeh Mashiach Tzidkenu. This year, without any delay, and as it says, Geshua Hashem, Keherefayin. We'd like to throw, shout out a blessing of Refua, the Zlatabela Baschayester, and we should be able to overcome. What? Noam Gijibat Rachochana. Should be able to overcome. Should be able to be a, a healthy mother to raise her children. And have many, many happy and healthy years. Shana Tova Umasuka and Shabbat Shalom. I don't know what happened here on Skype.